This is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and we don't commemorate someone who passed away 2,000 years ago. We celebrate Jesus Christ, who was alive 2,000 years ago, who was alive 500 years ago. He's alive today, and he's going to live forevermore, and we will live with him in this life and in the life to come. Well, last Sunday, we focused a little bit on the cross of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished for us on the cross. And of course, some of the events that lead up to Resurrection Sunday, again, which we are celebrating today. But you know, the reason, the actual reason for Jesus' death oftentimes reminds me of a story I heard many, many years ago. And I think I might have even told it last year, a true story. It happened in Detroit at the Detroit International Airport. It involved a flight, Northwest Flight 255, I believe it was. And just after takeoff, it began to, <clears throat> is that my mic or is just me? Just after takeoff, the plane lost control for some reason and it crashed into a nearby highway and killed every passenger on board, except for a four-year-old little girl named Cecilia. They initially thought that she might have been in one of the cars on the highway and they, they looked and couldn't find anyone she belonged to. When they looked in the passenger list for that flight, they found her name. And in talking with her a little bit, they were able to piece together a bit of the story and come to find out that the reason why Cecilia actually survived was because as the plane was falling from the sky and her mother knew there was no hope, her mother undid her seatbelt, she knelt down in front of her daughter, she took her into her arms and drew her body into her own, and the mother absorbed all the impact of that crash and the flames and that four little old girl, little girl's life was spared. You know, that's the exact kind of love that not only Jesus has for you and me, that's exactly how Jesus demonstrated his love for you and me. The Bible speaks of him this way in the book of Isaiah. The Bible says that Jesus, he endured the suffering that should have been ours. He was wounded for our sins. He was beaten because of the evil that we did. We are healed by the punishment that he suffered. All of us were lost, each going his own way. But the Lord made the punishment that we deserved fall on him. What does the Bible mean? The Bible means that every single one of us had decided we're going to live life on our own terms. We turned our back on God. And so God did not want our lives to crash and burn. He knew every single one of our lives were never going to reach the destination that he intended. And so what did he do? Jesus stepped down from his throne in heaven. He became a human being. He lived a perfect life so that he could offer his life as an exchange for your life, that he could pay the penalty for your sin and mine. And when he became that man, one day he went to the cross. And what he did on the cross is he literally wrapped his arms around you and me to shield us from the flames of hell, to shield us from the punishment that we deserve in order that we could escape and we could live. And that's why the Bible asks the question, how do we think we are going to escape if we neglect if we, if we look down on or are indifferent toward this great salvation that God has provided for us. You see, there is no other way. There is no other rescue plan. God the Father sent Jesus into this world to literally save us for where we were headed. 
And he gave us a salvation that not only frees us from the fear of death, but it actually fills us with this whole new confidence to live life to the full. So much so that should death come one day, we don't fear it. We can actually anticipate that day where we will continue to live and be with the Lord who has saved us and overcome death. You see, Jesus can give us confidence and assurance because he has power over death. Jesus didn't only demonstrate the power over death when he himself rose from the dead three days after dying on the cross for us. Jesus demonstrated that power his whole earthly ministry. Jesus went about raising people from the dead. In fact, that's why Jesus said, I am resurrection. I am life. I am the God who made you. I am the source of life from which you have come. And I come into this world to bring life to you. And so there were many times that gospel record that Jesus rose people from the dead. One in particular is found in John chapter 11. It involves one of Jesus' close friends, a man named Lazarus, and his two sisters, Martha and Mary, who actually supported his ministry. And we read in that chapter that Jesus receives news that Lazarus is very sick. But Jesus, instead of going right away, he ministers for a few more days where he is, and then eventually he goes to the hometown of Lazarus and his two sisters. It's in John chapter 11, and here are a couple excerpts from that story, beginning in verse 17. When Jesus arrived, he learned that Lazarus had already been dead and in the tomb for four days. Bethany was about two miles from Jerusalem, so many of the Jews had come there to comfort Martha and Mary about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. She was ticked off. But Martha asked the very thing that Mary was also thinking. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that even now God will give you anything you ask. Jesus said, your brother will rise and live again. Martha answered, I know he will rise and live again on the, in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will have life even if they die. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Martha, do you believe this? Martha said, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, the one coming to the world. That is the one coming to save the world and to reign. When Jesus saw Mary crying, he was upset and deeply troubled. Where is he buried, Jesus asked them. They told him, come and see. Tears came to Jesus' eyes. Roll the stone away, he told them. But Martha said, by now the smell will be terrible, for he had been dead for four days. If anybody has the old Bible translation, it says, he stinketh. That's just kind of a good way to put it. He stinketh, Lord. He's been dead for four days. Jesus goes on in verse 40 and says, but did I not tell you that you will see a wonderful miracle from God if you believe? Jesus asked her. So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with pieces of cloth and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take the cloth off of him and let him go. Now, the Bible tells us that when Jesus felt by the prompting of the Holy Spirit that it was time to actually go to visit Mar uh, Lazarus' house and Martha and Mary as well, that he said to his disciples, he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. Now, the disciples' response was the same as what you and I probably would have done because they had heard a few days earlier that Lazarus was very sick. So they were thinking, well, Lord, 
We hear that since he's sleeping, why don't you just kind of leave him be, let him get his rest, and he'll feel better. But Jesus has to spell it out for them. Guys, Lazarus is dead. He's dead, okay? I'm going to go wake him up. Some of us probably remember the nighttime prayer that we were taught as children. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That's a beautiful prayer to teach our children. But you know what? I don't believe it's Jesus' prayer for you and me. Jesus doesn't look at us and say, if you should die before you wake. I believe his prayer for you and me is that we would actually wake before we die. That before we leave this life, that we would know what it is to actually wake up to God, to wake up to his purpose for our life, to actually live a life that is full according to what God intended for us. You see, whether you know God or not this morning, it doesn't change the fact that he created you with dreams for you. He has dreams and longings for you that can become a reality if you walk with him. Now, sometimes we, we sense those dreams if we don't know God. And what they come to us in, in a sense of, of a longing. Sometimes we just think of them as wishful thinking. You know, just, just wishes. Wouldn't that be nice if? Just realize that there's, there's got to be more to life. I must be made for more than this. There must be a God. There's got to be more to this. Just kind of empty wishes sometimes we feel. But I want to encourage you to understand those aren't empty wishes. However distant, however faint, however impossible they may seem to you, those are actually God's will for you. And that will of God for which he created you, those dreams that he has for you, he says, I can awaken those dreams. And the reason he can awaken those dreams is because Jesus is the one who gave them to you. And he is alive. You see, God says to us in his word, he says, I have a plan for you. You don't have to tell me what my plan is. I know my plan for you. My plan is to do good. It's not to hurt you. My plan is to give you purpose, to give you a future, and to give you hope. You see, when you surrender your life to Jesus, you don't stop doing the things that interest you. There may be certain things that you don't do anymore, but it's not because you're not allowed. It's because your heart has changed. Your priorities have changed. If you meet someone, for example, and fall in love, there are certain things you just stop doing. Why? Because you've come into something better. You've come into a relationship that means more to you, that's worth giving these things up for. And in the same way, when you come into that loving relationship with Jesus Christ, you discover all of a sudden that now you see things you haven't seen before. And it's not about rules. We always say it's about a relationship. And what you discover is those things that actually fall away from your life are those things that were actually working against your highest fulfillment in the first place. The only question is, do you believe this? Do you believe this morning that Jesus Christ has the power to bring back to life those things that concern you? Or have you given up hope? Have you learned just to kind of settle where you are, whatever area of your life it may be? You know, all of us have areas in our lives that have either died, or it seems like they're in the process of dying, or they just haven't even come to life at all. But what God promises you is that if you allow the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to take up residence within you, that same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is able to raise up whatever is dead in you, whatever has died around you. You know, sometimes we go through life and we just feel like it's like a death sentence been pronounced over my life. 
spoken over my life. And maybe you feel that this morning. Maybe you're here and you feel like a death sentence has been spoken over your health. You're just locked into some condition and it's never going to change. Or maybe it's been spoken over your marriage. You just believed a lie that nothing's going to change. It's going to be this way until the day we die. Nothing's going to change. My marriage is dead. Or maybe that's been spoken over your family, your children, your finances, whatever it may be. We sing about it this morning. We worship the Lord this morning. And we remind ourselves, we're not just in church. We don't come to church to go through a ceremony. We come to meet with God. We come to meet with Jesus Christ in person. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he says, because I'm alive, you can live. And you don't have to wait. You can live today. You don't have to accept whatever death sentence has been pronounced over you. That is not the last word for you. The only question is, do you believe? Do you believe? Maybe you're here this morning and you've convinced yourself, well, Pastor, I appreciate what you're saying. And that can probably happen for somebody else. And there seem to be a lot of happy people here. But I don't think that can happen for me. You see, Pastor, I'm nobody special. Listen, my friends, whatever you tell yourself, whatever lie you've chosen to believe, I want you to know one truth. Jesus never feels that way about you. Never. He never, ever is indifferent about the dreams that he has for you. He's passionate about those dreams. He loves you passionately, and he wants those dreams to be realized. In fact, when we look at the story, Jesus arrives at the house of Lazarus and his sisters, and the Bible says that when he saw Mary was weeping, when he saw the tomb and knew that Lazarus was behind that stone, when he saw all the despair that that death had brought, the Bible says that Jesus was upset and deeply troubled. What that word means in the Greek language, literally, not to be crass, but it means to snort. You ever hear somebody do that? They're just so overwhelmed with, with grief, with heartache, with pain, that they just, there's just this unintentional, involuntary outburst they can't control. That's exactly what happened to Jesus. What does that mean? That means he's very sincere in the heartache he feels about the death that plagues our lives. Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but his heart broke at the hopelessness that was around, even though he was there as God himself and knew what he was going to do. His heart broke by the fact that the people around had just settled for this, this death and decay and thought there was no hope. And I really believe that's how passionately Jesus wants nothing less than God's dream for you to be realized in your life today. The biggest lie the devil can tell us is that God doesn't see you. Oh, God doesn't understand. God doesn't care. I want you to know, my friends, Jesus sees what you see. He feels what you feel, and he knows what's going on around you. But he didn't visit Lazarus just to get one last look at him. And at no point does he ever come near life. As long as you're breathing, whether you're nine months old or 99 years, it doesn't matter. He never comes at once and looks at you and thinks, it's over. Yeah, they've run out of chances. No, nothing can change now. You've made your own bed. Friends, that's not the heart of God. Our culture may say that. You may convince yourself. Somebody may speak that into your life, but that's not the heart of Jesus. Jesus looks at you wherever you may be, whatever stage of life, and he says, what you need to know is I am the resurrection. I am the life. Whoever believes in me, though you feel like you're dead and your dreams are dead and your relationship is dead or there's decay all around you, whoever believes in me shall live. The question is, do you believe it?
Do you believe it? Martha told, Jesus told Martha, Martha, your brother will live again. And her response was much like we would say, oh, I know, Lord. I know one day in the sweet by and by we'll see our loved ones again if they died with their trust in you. And that's kind of how our culture lives in a sense. We have a lot of this easy believism. We have a lot of these cliches to kind of help us cope with the challenges and disappointments of life. You know, today's hard, but just believe that tomorrow is going to be better than today. That's not a bad thing. And yet Jesus brings us back to reality when he says, you don't have to wait till tomorrow. You can actually come alive today. But do you believe me? And when we come to our senses, we say like Martha, yes, Lord, I believe you've come into the world to give life. And because you're here, this world, my world, is a different place because you're here today. Perhaps you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I, I would really love to believe what you're saying. I would love to receive but I'm just so aware of the grave clothes that bind me. I just feel like there's just so much stuff that wraps me up. I don't know how to get it off me. You know the good news? Jesus doesn't ask you to remove it. That's not your responsibility. All he asks is that you choose this morning to stop living among the dead. That you choose this morning to stop being bound by the things that have entombed you because today you have divine options. All he's asking is that you would believe him for your own personal resurrection. And that you would leave this place walking in the power of his life. Again, the only question is, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus has the power over death? Do you believe that Jesus loves you? Do you believe that he can bring you back to life. And I promise you this morning, if you believe, if you believe, you will hear Jesus say, unwrap him and let him go. Unwrap her and let her go. You can be free. That's why the Bible says, whom Jesus has set free is free indeed, is completely free. As the worship team closes with this last song, as Chantel sings, I want to encourage you to ask yourself, take a moment and ponder, do I believe? Do I believe enough to open my heart this morning and say, Jesus, I may not understand it all, but I know I need you. I need your life. I need that resurrection power this morning. I want to be alive to you and to all the dreams you have for me. If that's your heart's desire, you ponder that question, and we'll give you a moment at the end to make that decision. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the GT Moncton podcast. For full services, head over to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or want to get connected, go to gtmoncton.com and follow us on social media at GT Moncton to stay up to date on what's happening here at GT. God bless.